Welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast. I am your host, Cody McBroom, the CEO of Tailored Coaching Method, a world-renowned online coaching company. This podcast is built to help you create a life by design. That's what the Tailored Life is. It's choosing to blaze your own path, make your own decisions, and create a life you desire. So in this podcast, you're going to learn ways to optimize your body, optimize your mind, optimize your relationships and optimize your business and career this is the podcast for personal development junkies and people who can't stop growing because they strive for more we are also going to bring on experts in every single field to teach you their own expertise so you're not only learning from me four days a week but I'm bringing other professionals in to teach you their principles too so if you love personal development and you constantly want to strive for more in life this is the podcast for you. Make sure you hit subscribe, send this to a friend that needs it, and keep listening to improve your life all around. And without any further ado, let's get into the Tailored Life Podcast. Overrated, underrated, part two. The list continues, and we got into more and more topics today. A lot of really educational, cool stuff, uh, such as Fallout Boy, Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Uh, training on BOSU balls, completely overrated. Um, high rep plyos for conditioning, again, overrated. Bad idea. Don't do that. Um, but I won't spoil the fun. We do dive into some good stuff. I promise it's not just jokes. Um, there is some great stuff about programming, the two-to-one ratio of pull to push, and whether I think that's something smart to do. Uh, we dive into warm-up sets, and if they're even necessary after a warm-up is done. We actually dive into quite a few good topics, and there are some really funny ones as well. Um, do me a huge favor, though. If you enjoy this style, this overrated, underrated thing, and it's not just a con- content fad that's going around, let us know. Comment below if you're watching on YouTube. If you're listening on iTunes, you can hit me up on Instagram at Cody McBroom, or you can uh, email me Cody at tailoredcoachingmethod.com. Just let us know. Let us know if you like this type of content, this overrated, underrated style podcast, and what topics you would like us to rate and dive into, because we had a blast doing it, and we're totally down to do more of these if it is wanted by the audience, of course. Before we get into the episode, I do want to mention a quick sponsor. This episode is sponsored by my own app. Yes, I am sponsoring my own podcast, and that is the Taylor Trainer app. This is the one-stop shop for all things programming. So if you want smart, safe, and effective programs that are based on science and evidence through years and years of coaching real people delivered to you through a really, really cool app that is easy to use, stress-free, and it delivers you the program every single day right to your phone. It makes it really easy to track, really easy to progress. Um, There's tons of options. So if you want more information about that, go to tailoredtrainer.net. There is a ton of copy. You can learn all about it. There's no commitment needed, and it is less than a dollar a day. So if you have questions, again, hit me up. If not, go check out the tailoredtrainer.net. Join today and get your workouts done for you. And without any further ado or further rambling, let's get into the podcast. Part two. Overrated, underrated. Got a lot of great feedback for this episode, so we decided we were going to do a part two, plus we got a ton. Yeah, I don't even know if we'll get them through them subjects. all, honestly. Some of them I know I won't have much to rant on again, Yeah, but like some of them, I, I won't be able to help myself. Yeah. So, these are good, though. These are cool. So, I wonder uh, if this is going to be a fad. You know, like, like Q&As will never go away, because yeah. Q&A is not a fad, it's just like a thing. But I feel like, so, I feel like Gary Vee really popularized Q&As, because... I've, fo- I've followed him he long really enough. really popularized overrated, underrated. I know. Yeah. <laughs> but with Q&As, he was the first person to do, like, live Q&As. Mm. So, like, he stopped doing, he would, like, be a keynote speaker, show up at a seminar, and he's just like, I just do better at Q&A. So, who's got the first question? And I'm just like, damn, that's crazy. People hire you to speak, 
You, you just come that. in and just I just do Q and A's. Yeah, <laughs> that's dope. But I signed the dotted line, but I and, told him no, dude. And I I personally feel like I would do better with that too. I just don't have the balls to do that in front of that large of a group yeah. of people like yeah. he does yet. Yet, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not getting hired to speak in front of ten thousand people. So, yeah. um, but I'm uh, Q and A's will never be a fad. But like overrated, underrated. I'm like, hmm, I wonder because there's all these different like. I mean, even I guess TikTok dancing is still kind of a thing. But I mean, there's certain things that come out in content For that's sure. like, uh, it's going to go away soon. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even like the swipe workouts like have changed a lot because for a long time it was like full workouts and it was like real like style videos that you could watch through them. And then people started realizing like, oh, this is not like a smart thing to do. Just copy this person's daily workout when it's completely random and not personalized to me, mm-hmm. you know, which is why I never like... I rarely do full workouts like that. And even when I do, we like break it down pretty damn detailed of what the program is, why it is that way. For sure. And caution people like, this depends on what you did yesterday and what you're going to do tomorrow. But I don't know. I'm just, I feel like there's a lot of overrated, underrated going on right now. And I just wonder if it's going to shift. I can tell you one thing. It's fun. It is fun. Gary V posted a 15 second YouTube video. It was literally like anime, overrated, underrated. And it was like, I literally was like, that literally says 15 seconds. It was so short. YouTube? Yeah, on YouTube. I was like, what is he trying? You know, yeah. he's probably testing something. Yeah. That sounds stupid. It was like he uploaded his IG story to it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. All right, cool. Um, first one we're going to go is uh, gluten-free, di- uh, dairy-free diets. <laughs> You're going to say diarrhea. Nope. Um, diets. Gluten-free, dairy-free diets, I would say, are highly overrated. There's just no reason for them. Dairy-free. Wow, that would be hard. Yeah, that would suck. I mean, some people have to do it, but yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like it, it it's overrated from a standpoint of weight loss. Mm. There's a lot of people who jump into it for weight loss purposes, but there's also these people who are obese and a gluten-free diet got them to lose 100 pounds. And it's like, that's fucking amazing. But if you peel back that onion... They went gluten-free, which means they couldn't eat McDonald's anymore because mm-hmm. McDonald's is covered in gluten. You know what I mean? And, or like, well, I stopped having, I stopped eating potato chips and, and bread and all these things. So I was, had no choice but to eat more meat and vegetables, yeah. you know? So, okay, well, is it the caloric restriction and the higher nutrient content food that you're eating that made weight loss? Probably. But if gluten-free diet got, was the, the avenue to get you there, that's totally fine. Yeah. Um, dairy-free, it, it, that's less common because like... I don't know many people that eat that much dairy to where that's holding them back. Mm. You know, unless you're eating ice cream every day. Yeah. You stop eating that ice cream. Or yogurt. You cut. Yeah, but ice cream, you know, a little pint of Ben Jerry's is 1,000 to 1,500 calories. Oh, yeah, just for a pint. It's yeah. a lot. Yeah. So if somebody's eating one of those every day, and I could easily eat one of those in a sitting. If you cut those out, you drop 1,000 calories, you're going to lose weight. You know, it wasn't because of dairy. But... Um, it's not overrated if you have a gut problem. That's the problem. Like some people swear by it. And this is where we, we talk, I think we talked about the food sensitivities on the last, uh, overrated, underrated, or maybe it was the Q and a, yeah. I think it was a Q and a, but how those are really overrated because they don't actually tell you the whole story and it makes more sense to eliminate food. So there are times where we eliminate a lot of foods, but I would say since the gluten-free craze started, I've noticed more and more and more that gluten is not a problem for 95% of more people. 95 is being generous too. I'd say probably 99% of people. Very rare. Celiac disease is a rare disease and that's a disease where you can't handle gluten. If you eat gluten, like your throat swells. Like you know if you're celiac, you know, you're, it's like deathly. But 
for people who claim they have a gluten sensitivity, it's like, no, you just have poor health and you're bloated. It has nothing to do with the wheat bread you ate or the oats. You know what I mean? I have gluten every single day. Yeah. I'm fine. But I have dairy. You also day. don't claim that you're gluten intolerant. Yeah. Exactly. A lot. Of, I think a lot of people, I've met people too who they experience bloating from stress, too much salt, processed foods, um, thyroid, like other things completely going on and they point the finger at the easiest culprit. It's like, oh, I got to cut that dairy out. I put creamer in my coffee every day. It's like, that's not what it is. Mm-hmm. You're very stressed. You have poor digestion. General health is bad. You're not training. You're barely sleeping. Like dairy is not your issue. You know what I mean? Dairy is probably one of the best protein sources you can get too. Yeah. I mean, that's way is, is taking, extracting pure dairy protein. Touche. Casein. Yeah. So it could be a small aspect of it, but if you implement all those other things you were saying and st- continue to eat it, you, you will see a difference. Exactly. Yeah. So like if you, if you check off all those boxes and you're still really bloated yeah. and have digestive issues, then yeah, it might be the dairy or the yeah. gluten. But two, one thing is too, is like, it's really easy to know if it's that because if you're experiencing that stuff after you eat dairy, it probably is that. So For sure. do this, cut the dairy out. And if over the next five days you're bloating like lowers or goes away completely, you know what it is. Yeah. So, or, and it's not that hard. Take out dairy. Don't have milk or creamer or yogurt or whatever for just a few days. If mm-hmm. you feel better, great. If you don't, nothing changed. Perfect. Put it back in the diet. <laughs> right. Rather than taking a food sensitivity to have a, a food sensitivity test. Whoa. That tells you you have a sensitivity to something, which is inaccurate because of those IgG readings. And now you're restricting dairy for no reason with a frustrating diet. You can't adhere, right? You lose weight because you're dieting, but then eventually you just end up rebounding back to it. Mm -hmm. Why not diet while those things are included? It's like an inclusive diet. For sure. But overrated for sure. All right. Next one is a, uh, I can't pronounce this, Basu ball. Bosu. Bosu ball and unstable stability training in general. Completely overrated. Yeah. Um, Bosu balls are those exercise balls that are cut in half. Yeah. So they have like a flat surface and you like balance on them. Completely uh, overrated. I've used that and a um, a wobble board, which is pretty similar, but it's like a yeah. board with a ball in the middle. Yeah. Um, right after my knee surgery. But it wasn't something that we're like, we're going to really progress on this or like lift weights on it. Because now they have people like squatting on it and shit. It was literally like, all right, let's just see where your knee's at. Because you have knee surgery and you don't walk on your knee for two months. You have no stability. Mm-hmm. So stand on this and we're going to see if your muscles are firing right. Because you start shaking, you know, and your knee has to respond. The muscles around have to respond. Um, but for training, it's just stupid. Like, I mean, people use it for like sports, for example. Yeah. At what I, see, I see a plethora of professional sports athletes using so them. So dumb. Like, when does the court do this? <laughs> Honestly. I, I don't know why. I'm not the trainer. It doesn't. I'm just saying so, some very high-level trainers of, of all teams use them. Horrible. And I know some really, really high-level strength coaches who shit on them all day. Um, and I take their word over it yeah. any, any day. Because I agree with them. The thing is is that any, any surface that you're playing a sport on or doing anything, lifting weights, anything, it's stable. So unless you're, unless you're like a like a a trail runner who runs through like soft dirt and sand trails or I don't know. You, yeah. I'm trying to think of a situation yeah, where yeah, it would yeah. make sense, but this, the surface is stable. So the unstable aspect is external forces being applied on you. So instead of me standing on a wobble ball, how about I stand in a squat position, I brace, and then I have a band pulling me one way and I try to resist it. Right. Or even like in a plank position, we used to do this plank, 
and we would just like use our feet, but just kind of nudge the athlete while he's in a plank. We're like, don't move. We're nudging you. Right. Or we'd put uh, bands around a sandbag. They hug the sandbag and we pull the sandbag in different directions. He's trying to just resist that rotation. That's a form of instability. Right. But you're on a stable surface because on a football field, on a baseball field, on a basketball court, whatever, it's stable. Um, It's just asking for injury. Right. And now, you do a lunge or a push-up or a bench press or a barbell squat or anything on that stability ball, that BOSU ball, you, you have to dramatically lower the load. So now you're sacrificing strength and force production, which does improve the athlete's performance, performance yeah. for this weird half-shaped ball. Um, now, there is a time and place for some slight instability-style training. Like, have you seen the sand dune stepper I have out there? Yeah. Like that big foam pad? That makes sense. Now, like, I'll do a jump and land on that one in single leg and stuff like that, but it's not for strength. It's it's more for my ankles yeah. and for my knees and stuff like that, and, and it's usually in my warm-up. Um, I'll use it for my knees if I'm doing, like, a press just because the ground is fucking hard. <laughs> I don't want to put my knees on it. But, um, but that has limited, like, use. Like, I'm not going to – I might do maybe an RDL. I probably wouldn't really squat on it. Um, I think it's it's those BOSU balls. Yeah, you can say are more for rehabilitation. Whoa, rehabilitation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Say rehab. (laughs) Jesus, rehab is short for rehabilitation. Yes. Um. Yeah, I I would say so, and I think that sometimes for core training. So, like, if Mm. you do a plank on them, like if you have it the round side down and you hold the outside, you can hold a plank, and then that same thing I was talking about with pushing, it kind of does that. Okay. Um, so you can challenge your core and stuff. It, where it's an issue is when people are doing single leg squats on it or barbell squats. And I'm like, you have a million dollar athlete. Actually, nowadays, multi, multi million dollar yeah. athlete standing on that. Yeah. Sure you want to do that? Like yeah. that isn't, it's probably not a good idea. Damn. Um, so but you think about it, if they're still doing it today over the last five years to be conservative and they haven't had any injuries. You think if oh, a multi multi plenty of people have had injuries. Why would they still do it? It's it's like a, a doctor recommending ice after an injury. There's a lot of research now that shows ice is not the best answer after injury or after surgery because mm. it, it stops blood flow from getting to the area. Yeah. So if you don't put ice on it and you actually move, I think it's uh, restricting the swelling. Hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. But for an athlete. You actually want more blood flow to that muscle and to that joint because it actually helps heal. And actually, really, really good podcast if anybody's interested in this, if you train athletes or anything um, from Squat University. I would love to get him on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called How to, I think it's called How to Recover from Injuries as an Athlete or something like that. It's one of his later episodes, but they, it was actually a really like, cool deep dive. I don't remember his name, Dr. Something. Squat University. Squat University is his brand. He has oh. like, if if you're listening, you know who he is. He's okay. got a million followers on Instagram, huge podcast. Like, he's a really successful PT trainer. Um, but, like, here's the thing. So, like, if you, not to pick on you, but if you fucking sp- sprained your wrist mm-hmm. or something, I would say, yeah, yeah. I said take ibuprofen. It's fine because, like, the thing you're not worried about is, like, making it stronger and getting back to training. Like, you're like, I need to use this for work. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Whereas, for me... To an extent, it's the same, but also to an extent, I'm more focused on like, okay, how do I get back to training at full capacity? For sure. Ice is a Band-Aid. Letting blood flow go to it and heal itself is an adaptation. That's going to help. Good God. Which is, it's honestly, that's a paradigm shift. Because yeah. for the longest time, they teach rice. Rest, ice, compression, elevation. Mm. Right? And now it's like, uh, I don't know about the ice part. Which is kind of crazy. Wow. <laughs> you, you wouldn't think that. Yeah. Um, ice also uh, blunts your pain receptors. 
Yeah. So for a lot of people, they think it's healing. It's not. It's just numbing the pain. Yeah. So, which at times, like, you need to do that because you're in a lot of fucking pain. Yeah. So it's it's all context specific. Totally. Totally. But um, but that's the whole point. Even, like, I mean, doctors uh, with testosterone. Like, that's another one. Like, the, the range is so low. Like, healthy men should not be at 300 uh, as, a, as a marker for testosterone. Yet, that's the the low end of the range. And as long as you're at or above 300, you're fine. It's mm. like, no, that's not healthy. What is a good range? Closer to a thousand, but it depends on your age. Yeah. Um, now the re- reference range is like, I think 300 to 800. But if you go back a hundred years, it would have been like 800 to 1500 or 600 gotcha. or something like that. I don't know the exact numbers. I just know it's dramatically different. So I think sometimes things are just, they've been around for so long. It's hard to kick them away. <clears throat> and if we think about some strength coaches get in to like, you know, I know a couple personally, um, and I'm not saying that they, I don't even know if they use BOSU ball. So this isn't targeting them. I just, the only ones I know they've been doing it for 20 years. So they get in 20 years ago, the science and everything they've learned up to that point is like their base. When you're traveling and training pro athletes, do you think you have a lot of time to get updated certifications and take courses or continued education through college? Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. I just run, I run a business and I have no time for that shit, barely. So let alone somebody traveling with, you know what I mean? So I, I, to an extent, it's like, that's what they know. You don't know what you don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? There so I think, go. I think it's changing. And, um, I've heard Joe DeFranco talk about this a lot and it, he, he makes a lot of good points and he made his career off training NFL players. So it's like, yeah. Dope. Overrated. All right. Next one is, uh, overrated, underrated, knowing your one rep max. That's, Ooh, that's hard. Depends. Yeah, a lot of people, I feel like... Not everybody needs to know. You, There's a lot of people on both sides. Like, I feel like there's a lot of, like, on, in the hypertrophy bodybuilding world, they say it's overrated, and then a lot of people in the strength world say, like, you can't not know. You know what I mean? This is Cody's podcast, so... I'm going to say underrated. Underrated. Yeah, nope. be, because I... Only because... <clears throat> so, I and here's where I make the difference. Knowing your one rep max and testing your one rep max because if you say testing your one rep max i think people they assume because i used to do this all the time and i thought this is what i just had to do to know how strong i was every three months yeah we test our one rep max yeah i I think that's overrated i don't think you need to do that but if you don't know your one rep max right now it's hard to program properly so i think understanding your one rep max does two things one it allows you to know what weights to use when we're using percentage-based lifts. So if I say, hey, I want you to use 70% of your one rep max, I don't need you to say, oh, that's 267 pounds. I need you to be like, eh, that's around 250, 275. Just give me a ballpark, yeah. right? Now you have a North Star to kind of shoot for. Um, and then also when you test your one rep max, you find what failure is. You find what max effort is. And when you take yourself to failure, that allows you to use the RPE scale and the RIR scale better, which we've talked about a bunch. And I think that's really valuable. I would also say that I think doing a, a, like a high rep set to failure is more important than uh, testing your one rep max. But since they asked max, I'm going to kind of use them both interrelated. But I would rather somebody like pick a, a 10 RM so we know it's like a safe load and do as many reps as you possibly can. You know, take 60 to 70% of your one rep max and just do as many reps as you can. Because now you go, okay, this is my 10 rep max. And then you get 18 reps. Okay, first of all, we just redefined what your 10 rep max That's actually is. That's what I was just is. thinking. I was like, wait, what? It happens all the time. Okay. Um, they actually did a study, and uh, the highest was 26, and the lowest was 12, I think. So the average was 16, 16 or 17. And uh, out of a big group of people who all put their 10 rep max on the bar, the average was 16 reps total. Okay. So 
it just shows that most of us underestimate it. Yeah. But I would rather people do that because most people I work with are geared towards hypertrophy and, and aesthetics and fat loss, stuff like that. I think that's more valuable. But I do think testing max effort bouts or going to failure or anything like that, just that general concept, I think it's underrated because like people you either associate it with, oh, well, if you're not playing a sport or doing like Olympic lifting or powerlifting, you don't need to know your percentages. And then the other people are so afraid to go to failure that they're like, you don't need to go to failure to build muscle, to lose fat or get stronger according to research, which is true. But if the majority of people are undershooting their RIR, they're going to be way under. So research basically shows you should be within three RIR. So three reps in reserve, which means you need to be three, two or one rep away from failure in order to see maximal growth. You don't need to go to failure because if you go to failure, it's no different than two reps away from failure from a muscle growth perspective, Totally. which is great because now we can stay two reps away, recover better and still build just as much muscle without failing all the time. However, if everybody is, you know, if, if the average person can hit 16 reps with their quote unquote 10 rep max, everybody trying to hit two or three (coughs) RIR who hasn't gone to failure isn't actually hitting that accurately, accurately. So to me, it's like, if you don't max out or go to failure or find your one RM or your AMRAP as many reps as possible with a certain weight, you'll never know how to gauge your intensity. And that's like the biggest key to results. So I think, I think it's underrated knowing yeah all right this kind of exact same thing training to failure i mean i guess i already answered that yeah um the only thing i would say differently about this one i think training to failure consistently is overrated there you go because there's a lot of people who think you have to go to failure there's a lot of like bros and old school they're just like constantly going to failure and i think that's just let's kill myself yeah you're gonna Muscle-wise. Bang up your joints. You're going to break down your muscles. Your nervous system will be fried. You're not going to be able to train very long. It's just not worth it. Um, yeah, I, I wish I knew as much as I did now about RIR and RP and all that when I first started training. Yeah. Because I would say from when I first started training, I, I wasn't going all out because I didn't know how to. But I would say when I turned like 20 and I started getting really serious about training at the gym up until 25, 26, like, I think I was just doing way too much, going way too hard. Yeah. Because there was no science on RPE or IR, and I was like, yep, you just got to go fucking balls of wall. The strongest survive. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, how do these jack motherfuckers train? They're just going balls of the wall, so that's what I got to do to get jacked, you know? Yeah. Obviously, I didn't have to, but, um, and now, I'm like, back's hurt. My wrist gets fucked up. I just get hurt easily, especially for a 28-year-old. It's like, not necessary. Damn, yeah. Um, But, I think... uh yeah, I think training to failure is underrated as a test, like I just talked about. But I think it's overrated as a, a reoccurring training yeah. modality. It's not necessary. Source of knowledge is good to have. <clears throat> All right. Uh, doing warm-up sets. Significantly underrated. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you should talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do it enough. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I go back and forth because, you know, if you if you do a really good dynamic warm up, you actually don't need as many. You know, if if a really good dynamic warm up goes through soft tissue work, then mobility, and then some like active stretching, so dynamic stretching, and then you'll do some like explosive Activation. stuff. Oh yeah. So that's where I'm like, if I have a squat day, I'm doing goblet squats and, and box jumps, right? I'm like really priming myself. So when I get under the bar, I'm way more ready. So I don't need to do like 135, 150, 175, 200. 210, 
225, 240, like all the way up to 315 because by the time I got to 315, I'm just fatigued. Yeah. I just did 12 warm-up sets with moderately heavy loads. So I think if you warm up properly, you don't need to do as many, but you definitely can't do none. I mean, there used to be times where like I'd be starting late and they'd already have 225 on the bar and I'm like, I'm in and I would just get on the bar because I want to catch up to the guys. Horrible idea. Very stupid. Um, I never really got hurt doing it. I was also really young yeah. and I would go through a warm up, but I do think it shows like there's a balance to be had. I think some people take warm ups too long and then they're in the squat rack for an hour because they just do so many. And I think you limit your top end set at that point because you've fatigued yourself during the warm up. For sure. Um, but that's not necessarily saying it's overrated because it's underrated to say that you don't warm up, you know? Um, I think it's properly rated because most people know. You got to fucking warm up. Yeah. But some people take it out of hand and some people just are ignorant. Um, what I will say is overrated is warm-up sets on non-compound lifts. So I see people do this all the time. Um, and there's some people that swear about it. And some Underrated? S- overrated. Okay. So there's some people who swear by this and those people are actually people I really respect and that are very knowledgeable. So I think it would be a, just like a friendly debate. Like I don't think it's like they're wrong, I'm right, but... You go through your warm-ups, you hit your squats, that's your main lift for the day, and then you have RDLs as like an accessory lift. And you do just the bar. Then you do 45s on there. And then you do your working sets, right? And then you have a lunge. You do body weight, and then you do like 25s. And then you do working sets with 50s. That, to me, is, is unnecessary. Because now I'm adding, even though it's unloaded or lightly loaded, and technically it's not working sets, those are still sets on your joints, on your tendons, on your ligaments, on your muscles. That's a lot of volume. Right, so even on paper, you're only doing four sets. But if you do two warm-up sets for everything you do, you're really doing way more than just those four sets. You're doing six per exercise, which for adds sure. up. Um, and I don't know about the, everybody else listening, but after I do heavy compound squats or heavy compound deadlifts, my legs are warm. I don't need to do anything else. I'll go from a squat or a deadlift right into my max load Bulgarian split squat because I'm ready. I just squatted or I just deadlifted. My legs are fine. <laughs> I would be annoyed if I had to do bodyweight Bulgarian split squats and then like some 20 pounds and then some 40 pounds. And then finally I get up to the 70s or 80s or whatever I'm working with. It's just unnecessary. Yeah. So I think that's overrated. Gotcha. Cool. All right. Um, High volume plyos for conditioning. So unbelievably overrated. Stupid. It's like, I mean, that's shit on CrossFit, but. Plyo boxes. Box jumps. Um. Anything explosive, so like clap push-ups. It's, it's basically like if we look at the history of plyometrics, it was used as a way to train explosivity for an athlete. So why are we doing this explosive effort, which we know does not go beyond 30 seconds max. Usually it's like 10 to 15 seconds. And we're making people do it for conditioning. Conditioning is minutes and minutes and minutes and minutes so we're doing a minute of box jumps and then a minute burpees then a minute plyo push like you're not doing plyos at that point you're like flopping your body to get up and you're compensating it's just to me it's doesn't make any sense overrated yeah and i know the person who who put that one is a doctor of physical therapy and he did that as a joke because mm. i know for a fact he is not about that damn yeah i was on his podcast it's a good podcast uh bulgarian split squats uh underrated I love them. I think that's probably the best single leg lift in my opinion. It translates to a squat very well. You can load it in many different patterns to work on different imbalances. And I think it's, I don't even think it's, I think it's properly rated. I think most people look at it and they're like, that's a great exercise. But I think a lot of people just don't do it because it's fucking hard. So I'll say underrated 
just because people skip out on it. There you go. Um, kind of like the barbell hip thrust when we answered. Like it was like, it, I mean, it's, it's a great exercise, but it's overrated. I fucking hate it. I don't want to do it. This one, I think it's the opposite. It's a great exercise, but it's underrated. Most people don't want to do it, but I love it. Like, yeah. That's single leg movements are usually like where I shine. Like that's like where I'm more, most strong. Um, but nobody ever asks like, yo, how much do you lunge on, <laughs> on single leg? Yeah. They're like, how, do you, how much do you squat? I'm like, uh, it's all right, but I can Bulgarian split squat <laughs> a lot. <laughs> but, all right. Uh, this one says one, two push pull ratio. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So the one, two push, I usually say two to one ratio of pull to push, but same thing, right? So two days, one day. No. So two, if you're looking at a program, you do two times as much pulling as you do pushing. Okay. Um, this one's hard because if you would have asked me this a year or two ago, I would have said it is underrated. Everybody needs to do it. If you ask me now, I would say I don't know because some people take it out of context, right? And and people lean on it to make it sound like their training is really smart. Like, you don't have to worry about anything. I have a two-to-one two pull-to-push ratio in my program. You'll never hurt your shoulders. And it's like, well, there's more to it. And some people don't need that. You know, I've worked with people who are uh, very, very trap dominant or very, very lat dominant um, or physique competitors who their weak point is their chest or their shoulders, right? And they don't have any shoulder issues. So as long as I'm doing soft tissue work, I'm doing mobility, I'm actually going to have the opposite. I'm going to have two times as many pressing as pulling because they're an aesthetic athlete and they need, they like their traps back. That's all fine. Yeah. Their chest and shoulders are small, so we have to press more. We don't need to pull more, you know. Um, and then there's also people who have overactive. I remember Theo used to have such overactive traps and lats that he would have shoulder pain because his fucking lats and traps, like, wouldn't turn off. Like, that's why he had, we used to call him cauliflower back. Yeah. It was just like, don't, he didn't train his back for two weeks, and it was, like, more jacked. You know what I mean? Because it's just, like, it wouldn't turn off. So he actually had to do, like, therapy to, like, like – uh, physical style therapy to like literally calm it down. Yeah. Um, and he could bench a fuck time, but he always had a small chest, huge back. And it's just like that guy does not need to do two times as many pulls as presses at all because his, his, his back is over, um, overactive. You know, there's a lot of people who need, uh, this for, for lower body too. They need twice as much pulling. So deadlifts, RDLs, hip thrusts, it's really like extension versus squats, which is technically a press from the floor, deadlift you're pulling from the floor um, because they sit all day. So they're constantly in a flex position. So we need to get them in an extended position. But there's also people that are the exact opposite. Depends on what their job is. You might not need that. Um, Do you think people need a two to one um, upper body push to pull? No, definitely not. Very rarely. Gotcha. Unless you're one of these people who is overactive and they're back usually traps or lats like I said with Theo or you're um, overactive in your glutes and hamstrings which is very very rare Um, or you're a physique competitor who needs to isolate the pressing muscles more than the pulling muscles and in that case we just got to make sure we keep your shoulders healthy but here's what I would say I would say that for gen pop and for most people the two to one ratio is pretty smart in my opinion I think that I think it, it really does simplify things and a lot of people are like for me I have a two to one pull to push ratio because this is what I do all day. That's it. You know what I mean? We're talking about my wrist, right? My wrist been bugging me. I was like, all right, so what do I like really need to work on because I have a massage tomorrow? And she's like, you need to like get her to get your shoulder to open up because you're in a very protracted position. So my shoulders roll forward. 
because I type all day and I use my mouse and everything. So when I train, I'm automatically in what's called an anterior glide of my scapula, which is going to pull on the tendons, ligaments, and it's yeah. going all the way down to my wrist. So for me, 100%, more face pulls, more pull-aparts, more rows. Um, and even if it's just like a, like an insurance policy, I've had plenty of people, I mean, you've seen it, like, oh, face pulls again. You've said it to me. Mm-hmm. It's like face pulls every day. Like, yeah. it's just, it's one of those things, like, it can't hurt you unless you're, you're rare like Theo and your traps won't fucking turn off. But for most people, that's going to prevent a lot of shoulder issues yeah. and postural issues. So it's like, why not do it? It's um, a good point. I just think, I think the, the concept for gem pop, I think is underrated. I think it's a really smart idea. I just think a lot of people just used it as, as a way, like they heard like John Russin say, cause he was the first one that's come out with it. They hear Dr. John Russin say it and then they slap it all over their programming and they don't really understand how to execute it or why they're doing it or when it's not necessarily necessary. Um, yeah, I'm actually interested because this is the same guy that asked the plyo question. Oh. He's a doctor of physical therapy, so he's really fucking smart. So I'd actually be interested. What he thinks. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm wondering if you're going to listen to this and be like, yep, I agree, or be like, no, dude, <laughs> you know, it's, it's overrated. <laughs> but I would say underrated for the population I work with. Cool. Are right, we going to uh, change directions here. Um, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Oh, uh, I mean, I feel like that was rated pretty high. Yeah. It's the best skateboarding game of all time. I wouldn't time. say it's underrated, but it's properly rated. I would say it's properly rated. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was the shit for a long time. Yeah. I mean, it was dope. That was a I good wanted one. to say it. it still is, but yeah. They no. just came out with a new one. Yeah. Tony Hawk Pro Skater 6, I think. Yeah. It's like r- super real. Yeah. It's um, ridiculous. I haven't seen it, but. There was another. Oh, uh, Skate was a cool one, too. Never heard like, of it. Uh, so, skate is a game that you play like pig or horse in basketball. Oh, okay. Right? Like, you spell S-K-A-T-E. Yeah. I do a kickflip, you got to do a kickflip. Yeah. I do an ollie, you got to do an ollie. Well, skate was like the video game version of that. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it was like, yeah. They used to do, uh, I think at the barracks, they used to play skate, and they would. it was so dope. They would, you'd go on like, you'd buy, back then, DVDs or whatever, and they would record like pro skaters playing skate with each other. And it's just so crazy. Like, a game of skate lasts like four hours. Yeah. Because they can just do so many things. Yeah. They have they had that at the X Games. Absolutely, I watched it on YouTube. Like yeah. Nigel Houston or whatever yeah. played skate with this other dude, and they're oh, doing yeah. like quadruple flips down a stair rail, and then they're like, "You got to do it now too." Isn't that crazy? Yeah, yeah. Nigel Houston's a beast. He's probably the best skateboarder alive. Absolutely. Honestly, I, I think absolutely. He's won the most He's titled. I remember getting the Element video. I don't remember what it's called when he was twelve, thirteen. Yeah. Just had dreads down to his ass. Like, he was just this Whoa. little kid. Just, I don't know him that long, but. Yeah, he would cut him, Jamaican dude. But, he, uh, <laughs> I mean, he's doing. Stupid stuff. Stu- I mean, like, I was going to say some stuff that you would be like, oh, yeah, what's that? <laughs> Kick foot, back lip, down a huge stair. But, like, yeah. it's just not seeing yeah. a little kid do that. Yeah. There's this new girl, dude. She's from Japan. She's 13. Dude, <laughs> like, she's so good. It makes no sense. Yeah. 13 years old, and she's just crushing it. And even her swag on the board is, like, so above Did her age. Did you show age. me that video the other day? Of what? That girl? I think you showed me. Old? You were watching it on your computer? No, that that that's, uh, uh, she's she's way older than 13. Oh. She's from Brazil. But, yeah. This girl actually might be from Brazil now that I think about it. I think she is from Brazil. She's not from Japan. She was skating in Japan on the video I watched. But, insane. Yeah. You got like, half a million followers. It's funny, because you're watching these skate videos, and she doesn't look 13, because she's so mature on a skateboard. Yeah. And then it was like her 13th birthday and she's holding her cake and you look at her smile and her yeah. little baby teeth and you're like, God, you're a child yeah. and you're crushing full you, grown athletes. You're like, she's doing dude stuff. Yeah. 
like grown man stuff. Yeah, she's killing it. I can't wait to see her in the X Games. It's gonna be fucking nuts. But yeah, Tony Hawk Pro Skater is properly rated. I think it's sick. Properly. I think the in my opinion, I agree. You might you. disagree with this. The two best sport video games ever: Tony Hawk, FIFA. And that's not just because I skateboard and like soccer. <laughs> the skateboarding one is yeah. not because I like soccer, mm. but I remember playing FIFA with my friends who never touched a soccer ball and hated soccer. Yeah. But FIFA was just sick. Yeah. No, you're... It's a very easy game to jump in on play. Definitely. Very easy concept. Yeah. I mean, just pass. Yeah. And shoot. Yeah. But basketball, you had to know all the joystick moves. You had to know all the... Oh, yeah. I wasn't even attempting <laughs> 2K, yeah. whatever. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Or Madden. Sports honestly. games. I think Madden's up there, but... The thing that people argue about Madden is that it has not changed in so many years. Yeah. It's the exact same gameplay. A little bit better. They argue graphics. that it's that's a good thing or a bad thing? Horrible. Oh, okay. Like, they... Well, almost says... Uh, they just take your money. Yeah. They're just like, here's the same game, a little updated, but... Yeah. 20, 21... Does 2K 20. change? Yeah. I mean, there's lots of new things okay. about that. They added, like, like, the playground and, like, a lot of different things, but okay. Madden... Not much change. And again, they, I don't play sports games. So. <laughs> what about... uh? Is there an MLB something? Oh, yeah. Nobody, there is. Nobody probably plays that. No, but there's one that came out <laughs> on PlayStation that, like, was revolutionary. It's called, like, The Fielder. Oh. Man, I can't remember, dude. But there's one that came out on PlayStation 4 that, like, nobody else yeah. it was exclusive to PlayStation. Not a big baseball guy. No. I like going to the beer garden at the Mariners game. <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes they'd be like, all right, game's over. Game. And I'm like, damn, the game's over. <laughs> yeah. Who won? <laughs> I mean, I think, not 80, but. Well over fifty percent of the people at that baseball game say that exact th- same thing. Yeah. Like, wait, what? Is it it's dope? just like when they open the field, yeah, and the sun's coming in over yeah. the top. We're talking Seattle, Seattle here. Yeah, beer, yeah. like right. You st- start at Pyramid, cross yeah. the street. Yeah, brewery. It's perfect. Yeah. Not anymore. Yeah, it was. I mean, it's just a few years ago that I went. You know, pyramid, last one. pyramid shut down. Yeah, because yeah. of COVID, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's all be the same. Last thing I'll say is uh, Blitz. I remember that. Oh, game. Oh, dude, that, that game was sick. Yeah, that's a ball like, game. Yeah, that's like N64 days, yeah. though, right? NFL Blitz. Yeah, that game oh was sick. God. Dude, you remember Celebrity Deathmatch? I never played the game. Oh, dude, no. me and my brother used to stay <laughs> up all night playing that. <laughs> oh, wow. Because you could just pick celebrities yeah. and just... That was the difference between your Please household remember. and mine. I was playing Super Smash Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> celebrity Deathmatch. Yeah. <laughs> Pikachu. Yeah. Okay, oh let's keep going. That's good. Um, Pelvic Floor Training. Hmm. Uh, underrated, greatly underrated, um, especially if you're pregnant or you just had a baby or you're about to have a baby. Yeah. Like early, early stages of pregnancy and then full-blown pregnancy and then post-pregnancy. Um, I mean, that's kind of an obvious. Usually that's the only time people step into it though. People usually go, oh, I'm going to have to push a baby out. I should probably train my pelvic floor because that's what helps you push the baby out. Um, and, and that's smart. They start training it because of that. But for example, when I hurt my back, First thing I started doing, pelvic floor training. Yeah. Laying on the ground and doing weird breathing drills and then putting myself in different positions of like a crawling and then laying on my back like a dead bug and just executing on breath work. Putting my hip in a certain position, rotating my legs or my arms in a certain way, exhaling, breathing in. It's all pelvic floor training. It's deep, deep, deep abdominal muscles. For sure. Um, it's great for, like I said, pregnancy, but also for anybody who wants to prevent lower back issues um, or strengthen their core from the inside out. Right, like you can have abs, but if your internal obliques and your transverse abdominis and your pelvic floor muscles are weak, you're still going to hurt your back. Your core is not going to do shit for you. Yeah. Um, 
and sit-ups aren't going to protect your back. They'll just make your abs look good. So there's a place for them. I do sit-ups too. But I think uh, that's one thing that I kind of slowly let creep out of my programming personally because – Get stagnant. It's stagnant. It's boring. There's not really a way to progress it. You just keep doing the same thing, right? Because we're not going to start loading this pelvic floor training. Severely underrated, though. Severely underrated, yeah. Yeah. It's the consistency thing. Like, hey, do this simple thing every fucking day for a long time. You know, after a while, you kind of, like, slowly let it go. And you feel fine. And then you get hurt. Yeah. Like, fuck. I got to go back to that. So, very, very underrated. Cool. It's a great one. Um, Back to personality. Uh... This is ridiculous. Fallout Boy. <laughs> the band. <laughs> Severely overrated. Extremely overrated. Yeah, I mean, they're good, but wow, that's who who put that? I don't even think Probably they're your good. your brother. No. My brother doesn't have an Instagram Oh, anymore. He Damn. deleted it, and he was just like, yeah, I like life way better without Instagram, dude. <laughs> I was like, good for you, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I've never liked Fallout Boy. So, like, I went through, like, when Fallout Boy came out, I was like, pretty into like real punk so i was like this this is just like a band full of wimps and like i don't want to have anything to do with it oh and i'm a loser if i listen to him because yeah. my brother will think i'm lame yeah because he's even more punk than me yeah. <laughs> like so they're just like i mean they're very very emo so like when i was really into punk like emo was just like poser like they're like wannabe punk rockers and then like i started listening to uh i think under oath was like the first one and it was like a little bit more hardcore and screaming yeah. you know and then I started listening to like some Silverstein, Senses Fail, Day to Remember. And then like those are, those are, uh, they call it post hardcore. No idea why. Mm. Cause it's just basically like emo. And then every once in a while they'll fucking scream into the mic. And I still listen to that shit today. I like that. But Follow Boy, I don't know. Something about them just never, I never liked I think them. That I, I didn't like them, quote unquote, but I did enjoy and listen to a few of their songs for sure. I would say they're good artists cause they like from, I mean, they were popular. Yeah. If anybody gets that popular, Did you're some, good at what you do. Yeah. I just personally don't. There's some overrated things that are extremely popular Popular that give me extreme migraines. Mm. I don't think they're good artists. But that's the day of social media. That's the day of popularity. Yeah, there's a lot of bands like that, actually, that are just horrible. I mean, I, but here's the thing. That's it's all. It's music is 100% preference. 100%. And I almost opinion. said I almost said something specific. I think is extremely horrible. But other people be like, "You're wrong." Yeah, because you know what? Like, uh, so Fallout Boy, I think sucks. They give me a headache. They're terrible. Whatever. <laughs> Not literally. They don't give me a headache. But <laughs> say I don't like them, and then the guitar player goes out and plays "Stairway to Heaven," which is one of the greatest songs of all time. Yeah. Like I can say you're a talented guitarist. Yeah. But my opinion is that your band sucks. Yeah. So, because I, there's, I mean, there's a lot of country that you and Shannon listen to that I'm like, oh, God, this is horrible. But no, I can't not. say they're bad <laughs> artists. Yeah. I just think it sucks. Yeah. You know what I mean? All right. Um, I always say I like country, and then they'll be like, oh, yeah, we listen to I'm like, oh, Florida Georgia Line. I say it on purpose to people that are like, that's not, that's not country. <laughs> <laughs> you gotcha. They got catchy hooks, man. And I, and I actually don't mind them. I mean, Dude. I went and saw them in Austin. I saw them live. You, you did? Yeah, that yeah, was the only. Know. That was the first country band, right? Yeah, pop country. Is that yeah, what, absolutely. That I've ever seen. Yeah, and I actually was like, oh, they oh, just dude. want to party. It was this kind of day. It was a party to say the least. Yeah, it was so much fun. I'm not a huge fan of them, but they can put a good concert on. Yeah, they do have a good time. All right, um, counting macros. Underrated. D- it depends. Yeah, I think. What's it's, your goal? What's your 
So I don't even think that. I think okay. I think it depends on this. It depends if we're talking about just the audience of this podcast, mm-hmm. then I would say it's properly rated because <laughs> everybody listening to this knows okay. that we believe in tracking macros and yeah. we think it's a smart idea and it's a tool because even like in an it depends situation, I've changed my mind on this a lot. There's people who maybe shouldn't track macros, but I don't think it's an indefinite answer. It's like, hey, yeah. right now you need to work on stress, your relationship with food, your relationship with the body, whatever. And eventually we're going to track macros because it's the only way to 100% guarantee to get you a result. You know what I mean? Like I always use the money thing. It's just like you go to your financial advisor and you're like, oh, I want to take my family on a vacation, but I don't want to budget and I don't want to save any money for it. <laughs> they're, they're like, good luck going on a trip. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's no way to predict that. So yeah. you can say, well, I'm just going to intuitively, you know, like maybe I won't spend money. Maybe I will. If there's some money at the end of the month, then yeah. great. And we'll go, you know? Yeah. But that only works so long or it doesn't work at all. So at that point you're like, okay, we're going to fix your relationship with money first and like priorities and life. And then eventually we'll put a budget plan in place that you can adhere to. Macros is the same thing. Yeah. It's like you might not be there yet, but eventually you will be because if you come to me with those issues, you're still coming to me because you have those issues that you want to fix and you want to look better, feel better and aesthetically change your body. Yeah. And that's why, that's why you hire a nutrition coach. So we might not use it yet, but we'll get there eventually. And then we might not use it forever and we'll remove it eventually. But it's like part of the path to get you to where you want to be. So most people listen to this podcast know that I think that way. So I don't think, I think it's properly rated from that standpoint. But I think globally, if we just look at nutrition outside of our bubble, like people reading magazines, people watching Good Morning America and random shit like that, they see Dr. Oz and they're like, oh, this is a great nutrition talk. And Jillian Michaels, who is, dude, I almost feel bad for her at this point. You know who that is? There's an art a artist. Jillian Michaels is a very very famous fitness celebrity trainer. Uh, she was like the original Biggest Loser. Oh yeah yeah yeah, I do know. Dude, also she's like she's coming out with this content saying like claiming these things or talking about nutrition, and she's like brutally wrong about everything she says, like scientifically so far off. And all these like doctors who are really smart, some of that I've had on this podcast, <laughs> are creating content that's going viral just shitting on her and calling her out like, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. And it's just like, at this point, I feel bad for you. Wow. Just stop making videos <laughs> about stuff you don't know. Yeah. But my point with that is, is, you know, like Dr. Spencer Nadolsky, who I've had on the podcast, really smart guy. He made one shitting on all of her claims. He's a very smart guy. And, uh, but, and he has a huge following hundreds of thousands of followers, but she has millions, mm-hmm. right? And, and she has millions of followers who don't even have Instagram because they're middle-aged parents who could care less about social media, but they get their info from ABC and, and magazines and Facebook and Google and all these places where they find Jillian Michaels, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So to those people, to all the people outside of our bubble, I think it's vastly underrated. It's, it's, it's the path. Yeah. Like, the tool to go off of that what about uh meal frequency that's a good one i think if you would have asked me (laughs) has your mind changed yeah dude that that one that's this is one that has changed on quite a bit so if you would have asked me five or six years ago i would have said it's underrated because i was very like bro bodybuilder like you got to eat you know and it might have been longer than five years ago but once upon times like you got to eat five or six meals a day you got (coughs) to spread them out every two to three hours you got to have this much protein each meal. Like it's got to be so structured in meal. Like the more meals you have in a day, the more you're revving your metabolism up. 
completely false. It's based more on total calories. So if you have three meals or six meals, calories equated, it doesn't matter. Your metabolism is going to do the same thing. But, you know, fast forward, it was like, it doesn't matter at all as long as we can get you to adhere to your caloric intake, which I still think is usually the best answer for most people. But then there's a next level when you start getting more advanced and it actually does play a big role. Chrononutrition is 100% about nutrient timing. And if you time your meals in a certain way and when you're not eating in a certain way following chrononutrition, you may be able to improve your metabolism and metabolic rate and your caloric expenditure on maintenance, your sleep patterns and circadian rhythm. So like two groups, one following those meal timing, one not, and we see all those extra benefits, it matters. Totally. You know? But if somebody comes to me and they've never tracked a macro before, the last thing I'm going to do is, hey, we're going to do this thing called chrononutrition. Like you're going to time your meals and you're not going to eat at these periods. You know what I mean? That's just confusing as fuck. It, it gives you that extra 5 to 10%. Yeah. 90% of people don't need that extra 5 to 10% yet. So I'm kind of in the middle. Um, I personally, like my thoughts on it are properly rated as, as a whole. I don't know what people think. I think it's starting to be more emerged. Um, I mean, there's even good research that shows like if you, if you dose your protein every three to five hours, you're probably going to build a little more muscle and recover a little bit better. Are you going to notice that in eight weeks? Probably not, but eight months, probably. So yeah. if you're super consistent, maybe meal timing does matter a little bit more. You know, for somebody like me, I'm very specific about it because I'm, I'm not stopping anytime soon. So I might as well try to squeeze out every ounce I can. Um, and then the last thing I'd say too is like daily calories, of course, always matter most. But sometimes for some people, if I give you a certain amount of calories and I don't teach you how to set up your meals and we don't place your meals at times where your work and your life and all those things allow it, then you're probably not going to adhere to those calories. So now meal timing can actually be a tool to adhere better to your total caloric intake, which we know is the most important thing of all, right? So I think it's, based on all that, I would say it's underrated. Yeah. Yeah. I think right in the state of the nutrition coaching world, I think most people think it's not a big deal, but I think I would say it's underrated now at this point. Totally. Based on actually pretty new research, which is cool. Um, let's go to the next one. It says rack poles. Mm. Overrated. Rack pole. Yeah. Rack pole is a, it's a deadlift, but it's out of a rack. I mean, you can technically set up blocks and do it off that, but basically it's, it's pull- like those two bars that come off the. Yeah. Okay. Yep, exactly. Um, I don't even know what those are called. They're called like long hooks or something like that, but basically you're doing a deadlift from like just below your knees. Yeah. So we're limiting the range of motion. So, I mean, it's a good lift because you know, I can just for easy numbers, let's say I can deadlift 300 pounds off the floor. For one, I can do way more than that for the people listening. You should have said 100. I know. I should have said like 500 or something. Um, but let's say 300 for easy math. 300. Okay, well, I could probably do 400 off of a rack pole because I'm taking away a foot from the floor, and the floor is usually the, the hardest part of the lift, right? Mm. So it's a good way to overload your nervous system, overload your grip, overload your lats and your back and the top end range of the movement, especially if you have a sticking point at the top, at that last bit of extension. You can work on that. Um, people used to talk about like, like rack pulls for lats. Like you can like, cause you do, you, I mean, you could overload the shit out of your lats on those. So people would swear by like, you got to do more rack pulls to build your lats. I would disagree with that because you don't do high amounts of volume on your lats. I think you'd get way more out of doing a bunch of pull downs or something or straight arm pull downs or something. Um, yeah, I think they're overrated. Cool. I don't use them that much at all. I think they're good for power lifters as an accessory if you need it, but everybody else are kind of overrated. Um, organic foods. 
Overrated. Overrated. Yeah, nowadays. I might have done that. I don't know if we did or not. Yeah. Uh, someone, Organic is like Someone a, must have asked it twice. <laughs> it's a tricky statement. Yeah. So you can get away with a lot now. Yeah. Like, I hope you like said foster off. forms. I know that would have been funny if I said the offset. <laughs> <laughs> I changed my mind in a, in a week. Um, like foster farms, for example, they have organic and they have regular. Like, let's go tour and see what separates that. Is yeah. it just like a fucking string? <laughs> you tell me those pesticides and hormones don't spray over to the other side? Like, yeah. Um, organic is not like really, I would rather shop local than organic. Yeah. Um, local is typically done by the same exact standards, except they, they're farmers who don't feel the need to pay a bunch of money to slap organic on their label. And they, uh, that like, if I get a local, if I go to a local butcher, like when we go to blue max, mm-hmm. that's from a cow who was in our town. Yeah. <laughs> like literally. Yeah. Not, from a cow in Florida or Brazil or Europe or wherever they're shipping products from. Yeah. You know, there's products being shipped around all around the world. Same with fruit. You go to a local farmer market, that produce hasn't traveled as long. The longer that fruit has to travel on train, bus, flight, whatever it's going, trucks, there's more like time for bacteria to build or bugs to get into it. Totally. Period. So I would just much rather have local than organic. Um, like even with grass fed, grass fed was a thing for a while, but then they started realizing like, you know, if you let your cow eat like a couple strains of grass before you shoot it, it's grass fed technically. <laughs> so they have to call it grass fed, grass finished, mm. which is crazy. Like they, they keep coming up with the, like your label is going to be two sentences long by the yeah. time, you know, because they keep finding loopholes. Yeah. So I think you got to be careful. Um, the thing I would say is like, there's like the, it's either the, Dirty dozen or sinful seven or something like that. And it's basically like these are the the seven you need to find organic or the 12 that you need to find organic or whatever. But like, for example, a banana. A banana has a hard shell around it, a hard skin, right? Far more protected than a berry. Mm -hmm. So a berry, you're probably going to want to get organic and local and protected. Banana, who gives a shit? Avocado, that is a very hard shell. Nothing getting in there. You can just have regular. You don't need organic for that. You don't need local. Um, And that's not to say, because some farms who are organic are strictly organic, you know, and they're great. And I would buy organic farms that are strictly just organic farms, especially if they're local versus a farm that has both regular and like foster, foster farms. And then they have foster organic farms. I don't trust that. Damn. Um, So you got to be careful with some of them. But like the way to look at it is like if it has a, a hard shell or skin, you're more likely to be safe not worrying about it. Um, being organic or anything like that. And then with meat, the less fat, the less, typically they say like hormones and pesticides stuff sticks to fat cells. And for sure. So if you have a fatty steak, you should probably get grass fed steak, right? Grass fed beef. That's why it's very popular. Cage free eggs are great. Organic cage free, but I would be more focused on getting organic grass fed grass finished steak than I would be chicken. Yeah. But I usually get, I usually shop local for all that yeah. eggs, meat. Yeah. The the eggs we get, um, we get them from Fred Meyer, but they're a local organic brand, and they actually, it's almost like makes me sad getting them. But there's like a picture of the chickens, <laughs> and there's like a little pamphlet inside, Weird. and it literally shows like because it's called Happy Hens or something like that. And I know like so basically like this is the the parent of the eggs I'm eating or something like that's weird. Kind of feel bad now. That's weird. It's like poor little chicken staring at me, and I'm about to take down its eggs. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> All right, um, alkaline water, overrated. It's been that's pseudoscience. It's been debunked, and I'm I'm not 
overly familiar with the science. I'm not going to dive into like what, why, and how, but I mean, you can, at this point you can research alkaline water and you'll find plenty of bullshit on it being debunked. Um, are you looking it up? I just want to see. I, I saw a video about it yesterday or something that I want to look up, but I don't see it. Don't matter. Yeah, alkaline. I believe it's just, it's literally alkaline water. There's like this whole thing about the alkaline diet. I actually had to school my grandma on this because she was like getting sucked in you by You just it. said alkaline diet? Yeah. There's a whole bunch of shit. Okay, never mind. It was about essential water. Oh. I don't think it's, essential water doesn't have that. Fixes you everything. I think essential water is just has extra it's a brand electrolytes. A brand. Yeah, and it just has extra extra electrolytes and stuff. Yeah, but yeah, overrated. All right, um, last one here. We got them through. Uh, this one is happiness and struggle. I would like to ask the person. Actually, I'm gonna the context of that. There's I'm gonna put two of them together. Okay, happiness, struggle, and compliments. Compliments. Um. Okay. I think they're severely underrated. Severely underrated. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I feel really good when I give somebody else a compliment. Yeah. Same as yeah. same as Christmas. Like when you give? Yeah. yeah. 100%. I love, I giving, love giving gifts way more than getting them. Me too. Um <laughs> but at the same time, like there's something about that like like Shan, I was on the phone with Shan just a little bit ago. She's like, "Oh, your your gift got here." I was like, "What?" She's like, "Oh, I got you a gift." I was like, "Why?" She's like, "Oh, I just saw it and I thought of you." Like that kind of gift, like, there's no reason for it. Yeah. But now I'm, like, super anxious to see what's waiting at home. Oh, yeah. It doesn't matter what it is. I'm yeah. excited. But, um, yeah, I feel like compliments are underrated. Oh, like, yeah. You just feel good giving them, and you feel good getting them. I think f- there's a lot of people who get very uncomfortable. and Getting or giving? Getting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You give them a, uh, give them a compliment, and they kind of deflect. Yeah. Like, oh, you look pretty. Oh, I, no, I, you know, my hair is, and they're like, start going off on some tangent about how they don't. Yeah. Or like, instantly. Uh, instantly. Yeah. And they're deflecting because they're lacking confidence. And I've seen this with clients, men, women, tons of times. And I always tell them like, the more you accept those compliments, the actually, the more you accept yourself and the more self-confidence you have. I don't. So I started literally just, oh, thank you. Yeah. Like some people find it weird, but I'm like, thank you. <laughs> like, I'm just excited. You yeah. know, like people like. I always try to say, like, I'm biased with this one because sometimes, like, it's just weird. But, like, people say, oh, your daughter's so cute. Instead yeah. of me just going, I know. I'm like, oh, thank you. Like, I'm biased, but I, I could not agree more. You know, <laughs> because it's a great compliment, and I agree. And yeah. Sweet. It makes me love her ten times more every yeah, time. For sure. Um, I, go ahead. I was, I was going to switch to happiness and struggle. Yeah, yeah. But I think happiness and struggle is a hard one to even answer because I don't know. Is that two polar opposites? Yeah, but uh, that's why I want to know the context. I wonder if she's referring to this as, I think it was a girl, referring to this as, like, struggles required to find happiness is how I kind of perceive that. And I would say that is underrated because I agree. I think that nothing great happens without struggle. You know, it's easy to go work your day job or to follow in your family's footsteps, which isn't a problem, but like, you know, like I was going to go do the same thing my dad did, which yeah. is sell oil. And I was like, well, fuck it. I mean, I guess I can sell oil. <laughs> I would have been miserable. I don't yeah. like oil. So I think to me, I do think struggle is required for happiness. And I think that's an underrated concept. Not necessarily that I think people would argue with me on it, but more so that people just don't do it because mm-hmm. they're afraid of struggle, which I get. I mean, challenge, change, new things, stepping out of your comfort zone. That's, it's not easy, yeah. period, you know? So, I don't know. I think it builds you a lot. 100%. It builds character, builds work ethic, builds, yeah. yeah. I think the compliments do, too. Yeah. Like, it, more so, like, 
when I started doing the, the whole like appreciation text every day, like after a while it got stale because it was like, love you, appreciate you. You know, I, I honor our relationship, like very simple things. And I was like, I got to do something different mm-hmm. because now I'm running back to the same cycle of people yeah. and saying specific things about people that I've noticed and taken away that I appreciate about them. Like that changed who I was as a person because it was almost like I'm looking to find things I appreciate about these people to make them feel better because I know it's going to affect how they operate in their day. Yeah. It's almost forces you to get to know them better too, because you're looking for something specific. hundred percent. hundred percent. Um, guaranteed. <laughs> guaranteed. Uh, I think, yeah. So complimenting is underrated for sure. I think, uh, struggle for happiness is underrated, but I don't know if that's what she meant. Yeah. You know, I, uh, my love language is gifts, obviously. Yeah. And by no surprise. Yeah. And Josephine, I won't say she gets mad at me, but, she gets very respectfully irritated with me because there's shit showing up at her house all the time for her. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm like, I call myself the info, infomercial guy <laughs> because there's more. <laughs> oh, wait, because there's more. But that's yeah. such a, that's, that's a good problem to have. Yeah. Though. Yeah. Cause, but I think that's the, like, it also like, uh, the other day, this is like just a week ago. We were, sitting, we were eating breakfast before I left to work, and it was on Friday last week. And Shannon had some said something about uh, she wanted she wanted like a just like a little dinky cross necklace. Yeah, she was literally like she was telling me about something. You know, she was stressed out and she just wants God close to her heart. She doesn't have a cross. Blah blah. I was like, oh, that's cool. Like you know, it was like very brief, just simple conversation. She wasn't hinting anything. But, like, that kind of stuck in my head, and I had to go to the mall with Blakely anyway. Yeah. So I picked her up a necklace, and then I gave it to her that night, and it was, like, the dopest thing. But it's she was like, I didn't even think you were really listening. Like, because we were just, because sometimes I, I don't. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, like, stuff like that, like, that's important because, like, one, it reaffirms to her, like, I am listening. <laughs> N- number two, it makes me listen because I want to pick up on things. Because gifts like that are way more meaningful. You yeah. know what I mean? Or even like, dude, the fucking bike you guys brought in. Mm. We're like, I don't think you noticed, but what, uh, when we opened the bike and then Josephine had the little bag with the helmet in it. Yeah. She was like, oh wait, and there's more. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know. Now I yeah. would have yeah. like looking back, but we were like expecting just like, you know, you had to get her outfit or something. Yeah. And I see you walking up with this huge box on your shoulders. I'm like, oh, I literally geez. was like, oh my God. <laughs> Shane's like, what? I was That's like, why he, I specific- he can barely carry it. <laughs> I specifically didn't tell you what it was. And I was saying, I want this thing out of my living room. When you said that, I was like, well, dude, what I f- the fuck I, is this thing? I figured you were going to text me like, what the heck is it? Yeah. But I was like, I wanted to and you didn't. And I was like, all right, well, forget <laughs> it then. <laughs> don't have to make something up. She was so stoked. That was a dope gift. Oh, but yeah, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, if any takeaway from this, uh, give more compliments. Yeah. And fucking put yourself in struggle because it'll lead to happiness. I think that's a good way to end it. Dope. Yeah. All right. That's the end of this underrated, overrated. Let us know what you guys think. And if you have any more, DM them to Cody. Yeah. And we'll do it again if you guys want. Cool. We have fun with it.